Belong. Become. Believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. This week's message for November 29th, 2020 is Hope, the first week of Advent. The location is the studio at 2828 Grace Church in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and the speaker is John Ray. Um, I got to tell you, I'm not good at waiting. Never have been. Don't know if it was the way that I was raised or just the way that I made, some combination of the two, but not good with waiting. I really struggle with impatience. But if impatience is the problem, Advent is the remedy given to us by the church. See, Advent is all about waiting, anticipation, paying attention to our longings in a deeply formative way. And unlike the end of many periods of waiting, many of the things we wait for, hope for, Advent doesn't disappoint. Advent delivers if we will let it. But pay attention, we must. And that takes intention, effort, and practice. There are all kinds of cheap substitutes and superficial distractions that dull our attention. We need help along the way. Now, one of the best resources I know for this period is put out by the Center for Christianity, Culture, and the Arts at Biola University. I mentioned it in the welcome. You can look up the Advent Project and you'll find it there. You can subscribe to it and you get an email daily that has art and music and reflection on scripture. This year, they're focusing on the story of George Friedrich Handel's Messiah. Now, that's incredibly important and appropriate for this year because Handel's story is much like what a lot of us are experiencing right now in this time of pandemic and disruption. You see, Handel was originally an operatic composer. For He wrote over 30 Italian operas and was, in fact, so successful at it that he was able to move to London and make a career of it. Well, the problem is fashion. And soon Italian operas fell out of fashion with the London elite, and Handel found himself not only out of a job, but destitute, facing the very real um, chance of being thrown into debtor's prison. It must have been a time of incredible disruption and anticipation, anxiety for Handel. So when the Lord Lieutenant Gover- the Lord Lieutenant of Dublin commissioned him to write an this uh, an oratorio, not an opera, but an oratorio, something that he wasn't used to. In fact, it was a new form of music. He jumped at the chance, anything to pay the bills. Well, the result was Handel's Messiah. Not only did it save Handel from financial ruin, it opened up a whole new genre of music and worship that we continue to use today. Friends, old things, old ways, old understandings are passing away right now. But the future is not yet clear. 
Many of us feel as though we are barely hanging on. Advent this year is especially relevant. A way for us to practice faithful waiting, to discipline our longings, to reorient our affections, to focus our anticipation. Nowhere do we see this more appropriately than in Mary's response. She sings this song that we find in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 46, if you want to look it up. After she has been visited by the angels and told of this seemingly impossible occurrence that is going to happen, that she is going to bear child before she is married, before she has known a man. Not only that, but this child is going to be the Messiah. How can such a thing be to one of so humble a circumstance? Mary's not the brightest in the class. She's not the richest of society. She's definitely not the most powerful. Bethlehem, where the Savior is ultimately born, is backwater. This is not the limelight. Mary, as a young peasant female in an occupied country, has zero power except the hope and the response that she is given. Well, let's listen to her response. We'll make a few comments along the way and see how it applies to us, starting with chapter 46, uh, verse 46, chapter 1. And Mary said, my soul exalts the Lord, my spirit has begun to rejoice in God, my Savior, because he has looked upon the humble state of his servant. Pause there for a minute. Soul, suche, that that idea of breath, that which gives us life. Spirit, the thing that gives life to everyone. One is individual, one is universal, one is personal, one is communal in this. Everything about her inwardly and outwardly is rejoicing because it says, my Savior, and we could translate that from the Greek as the God who delivers, the God who makes a way when we can't make our own way, has looked upon the humble state of his servant. You see, hope is rooted in deliverance. This is not hope for something added. This is not hope for something extra. This is hope to continue to exist. This is hope of the deepest sort, a deliverance from some place, some state, some situation that we are hopeless to deliver ourselves from. And what is that state? What is that state that, that Mary is hoping to be delivered from? That is she, that her very soul and spirit are aching for? Well, Let's read on. It says, she continues, she says, from now on, and this is one of Luke's favorite phrases. He uses this quite a bit in his gospel, indicating the way that Jesus is changing, radically changing things. From now on, all generations will call me blessed because he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. From generation to generation, he is merciful to those who fear him. We see in this response, the answer to our question, what is she aching for? She's aching to be seen. She's aching to not be forgotten. 
She is longing to be recognized and rewarded. All of us long for the same things. I would dare say none of us can live, truly live without finding the answer to those things, to be seen, to be known, to not be forgotten, to be recognized, and be to, to be rewarded, to know that our life has meaning, that our actions <clears throat> have purpose. But that's just the start. It's not just about her as an individual. As a matter of fact, I doubt that she would even understand herself apart from her people. You see, it's not just about personal experience for Mary, nor should it be for us, but about wholesale, comprehensive, top-to-bottom setting things right. Christianity can never be compartmentalized into a private spirituality. It is always about us, not just about me. But in that, in that, the me is fully realized. Well, let's continue starting verse 51 here. He has demonstrated power with his arm. He has scattered those whose pride wells up from the sheer arrogance of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. He has lifted up the lowly from their positions. He has filled the hungry with good things and has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy. He has promised, as he promised to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. How many of us are hoping for such things? What is it that we are hoping for? What is it that you are hoping for this morning? And how do those hopes line up with what it is that is promised? With who God is and what God wants? You see, true hope has to be rooted in the revelation of God's self to us. All of us must discipline our hope to align with the reality of God's revelation of God's self to us. At Grace Church, we welcomed, we welcome and are welcomed as a reflection of God's ultimate welcome of us each of us and all of us. We make room for others and accept the invitation ourselves, practicing the welcome from which we all hope to receive from God. This forms our becoming with all the complexity, all the work that this comprehensive belonging entails. As we experience authentic belonging, and work out the details of our becoming, our faith is transformed from confession to experience. So what does it mean to hope right now? Where we are, who we are. Well, some are quarantined, but privileged to be able to do that with a minimal of disruption. Others have no choice but be exposed and at risk on a daily basis. Some live in an abundance but are not satisfied, while others see little future but destitution and want. Some are given quiet and space 
but driven to distraction. Others are overwhelmed with the responsibilities and find it nearly impossible to escape the noise. All of us are fragile, often unable to admit that, but all of us are fragile. What are we hoping for? Where is our hope? I I think like Handel, centuries before us, we are all moving from one way of living and thinking and recognizing into a new reality that isn't yet clear, seems threatening or inadequate, but we're in that in-between place. That's a good place to be for Advent. Uncomfortable, yes. Dangerous even, threatening, but adequately reflecting the original Advent story of Mary and Joseph and Jesus' birth. So here's what Advent invites us to do. Look back to Scripture. To the magnificent poem and prayer of Mary, to know that we are seen, to know that we are not forgotten, to know that we are recognized and will be rewarded, and there will be a wholesale, comprehensive, top-to-bottom setting of things aright. This is where We are to center our hope, to focus our hope, to nurture our hope. But make no mistake, hope is a dangerous thing. If we hope amiss, hope for the wrong things, only bad things can happen. Either We'll get what we hope for, and it will disappoint, deceive, or dull us. Or we won't get what we hope for, and we'll live lives of despair, bitterness, unsatisfied. There is only one place to put our hope that will satisfy. There's maybe more danger than hoping in the wrong thing. Love. Who we consider as sister and brother. What we give our allegiance to. It will transform all of that. And that is dangerous especially if we are privileged, satisfied, content with this world and the way things are. This hope will will dramatically deepen our next and sever to all things.
question we're being asked this week, this season, in this time of disruption and pandemic. It's what we're asked every day in little ways and every year in bigger ways and sometimes in life in monumental ways. What are you hoping for? What are we hoping for? Well, as I said earlier, cultivating this hope takes intention and effort and practice. One of the primary ways we practice this is at this table, the communion table. And during this time when we take communion together, we also ask you to reflect. Think back on what is the Spirit said to you. Is there something you need to do, something you need to, someone you need to talk to, something you need to pray? Write that down now. Make your intention to follow through. Don't let the moment pass. And also, we invite you to share in the offering here. Part of hoping is giving freely without expectation to others who are in need, while knowing that all of us are or none of us is without need. All of us have need and we all need to receive. So we give and receive as part of our worship during this time. There's ways you can do that online, but we all know ways we can do it in person as well with our time, our effort, our money, our things. Giving and receiving is part of worship. Thank you for listening to the Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. You can find out more about us at gracechurchnwa.org. Have a blessed week.